Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. Today, Dr. Forrest presents part two of the series, Fundamentals of Worship. All right, praise the Lord. Say it with me. We're a church growing and thriving, overflowing with love, strengthening the family, transforming the community, impacting the world, where every member is a minister and a church alive is worth the drive. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, we're talking about the fundamentals of worship. This is part two in what's going to be a part or three-part series. And last week, we kicked it off with a discussion of the importance of unity in worship, especially corporate worship. Amen? And we talked about how that if just one person is not in the flow or resisting the flow, it can disrupt the unity that brings the manifest presence of the Lord. Amen? So I know for some, it's an abstract concept, but there really is a place you can get to in corporate worship where as a congregation, we can ride the wave, follow the current, or follow the flow of what God's doing and where He's taken us in a particular worship service. You can actually get to the point where you just sort of tune your spiritual ears to the flow and the direction the surface is going and you can stay one step ahead. I know because it happens to me all the time. I'll turn to my wife and say, things are coming to a lull now. Prophecy's going to be loosed. Or things are getting ready to get rowdy. And it gets rowdy. And it's because over the years, I've learned to tune my ear to hear the song of the Spirit, to follow the current, follow the flow, and get in that flow. Amen. Hallelujah. It, you may not understand it, and it might be new to you, but it's important that you make up your mind right off the bat, that you're not going to oppose the move of the Spirit, but you're going to just go with the flow, even if sometimes you don't understand it. So the best advice I can give you, if this is new to you, if you want to be in the flow, just watch those that are leading praise and worship and do what they do. You have the leader singing in tongues. If you got your prayer language, you sing in tongues. If the leader shouting, you shout. If the leader stomping his feet or her feet, you stomp your feet if you want to. Amen? If everything goes quiet and the leader's taking us towards a quiet time, don't be the one that's clapping your hands vigorously at the back when everybody else is quiet. Be in the flow. Be sensitive, you know. Everybody understand what I mean by that? Hallelujah. It really is easier than you think. So I just wanted to recap the discussion of unity before we went any further. I want to remind you of the scripture that we began with last week, and it was the dedication of Solomon's temple. Here again is the Old Testament example of unity and worship that occurred when Solomon dedicated the temple that he built in obedience to the Lord. Let's pick it up in Second Chronicles chapter 5, verse 13 and 14 in the New Living Translation. Verse 13 says, the trumpeters and singers performed together in unison. The King James says, they performed together as one to praise and give thanks to the Lord. Accompanied by trumpets, there was 120 of them, I would have loved to have been there. Cymbals and other instruments, they raised their voices and praised the Lord with these words. He is good. His faithful love endures forever. At that moment, a thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord. The priests could not continue their service because of the cloud, for the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple of God. 
Amen. I'm telling you, it was because of their unity. They were united in heart and purpose, seeking the Lord their God. And because they were united, the glory of the Lord filled that place. Amen. Now, you got to remember, these are old covenant people who were not born again, were not filled with the Spirit. Only the priest, the prophet, and the king would have the Spirit upon every once in a while. So they were, they were in a sense, dependent on physical manifestation. So I think that's one of the reasons God did those sort of things back then. Okay, But I will caveat that by saying this. If those people who were not born again, not filled with the Spirit, could have manifestations like that in their services because they were united and had one purpose and one heart to seek the Lord, how much more should the Holy Ghost-filled, born-again children of God experience those kind of manifestations in our services today? Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. It's a little bit different for us because we have the Holy Spirit on the inside and we have the Holy Spirit upon. Okay, We have both. So we could be content with that, but... I say we have that, and then we can have all the physical manifestations that they had as well. Amen? Glory to God. In the Azusa Street Revival, I talked about this last week in 1907, the glory cloud came in, and it came down so low, it says the children would run and put their hands in it and play in it. Amen? How many would like that sort of thing to happen here at Faith Life Fellowship? I'm open to it. There have been times in this church and even in the hotel and the facility before where I saw the mist of God roll in. I mean, it was ever so faint, but I saw the mist of God. I'm looking for the day when the mist turns into a bright cloud, hallelujah, and covers the place where we're worshiping God. And if you need a healing, you put your hand in the glory cloud and you receive your healing. If you need deliverance, you put your hand in the glory cloud and you receive deliverance. If you need peace of mind, you put your hand in the cloud and peace of mind comes, hallelujah. Glory to God. So I guess what I'm saying is, if you're united in purpose and your heart is to worship the Lord together as a congregation, everybody's in unity, it invites the manifest presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let me share a New Testament example. Acts chapter 4, verse 24. We shared this last week, a little bit of background. Peter and John went in the gate beautiful. There was a guy there that was lame from his mother's womb. Later on, you find out that he was 40 years old. So you know that he was there at the temple begging for decades. Even when Jesus walked in and out, amen. Jesus didn't do anything for him. But Peter and John, one day, they looked at him and he looked at them. And he was expecting to receive something from them. And, and they said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have given thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Amen. Hallelujah. He went into the temple. He started walking and leaping and praising God, creating a fuss, drawing a crowd. So they eventually got called before the Sanhedrin and threatened for preaching in the name of Jesus. The Bible says they could not speak against the miracle. They only spake against the name of Jesus. And they threatened them not to use the name of Jesus ever again, not to teach or preach in that name. Of course, they went back to their place and they started praying. So that's what this is here in Acts chapter 4, verse 24. When the believers heard their report, they raised their voices in unity. There it is again. They raised their voices in unity and prayed. Listen, they start with worship. 
Lord Yahweh, you are the Lord of all. You created the universe, the earth, the sky, the sea, and everything that is in them. This is the Passion Translation, by the way, and it's awesome. And you skip on down to verse 29. It says, so now, Lord, listen to their threats to harm us. Empower or strengthen us as your servants to speak the word of God freely and courageously. Stretch out your hand of power through us to heal and to move in signs and wonders by the name of your holy son, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. At that moment, the earth shook beneath them causing the building they were in to tremble. Each one of them was filled with the Holy Spirit, and they proclaimed the Word of God with unrestrained boldness. Amen. Hallelujah. Because they were united to worship the Lord as one people, as one group, they received strength, and they received unrestrained boldness. I can use a little bit of unrestrained boldness. I don't know about you. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. I'm excited and I'm just halfway through the introduction. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Once again, it was the unity of the believers here that invited the manifest presence of the Lord. And in this case, it was an earthquake that shook the building where they were praying, where they were worshiping. I'm looking for the day when the glory cloud comes in and the earth begins to shake underneath us because we're worshiping God as one. Amen. Glory to God. Hey, listen, you think that's far-fetched? Hey, listen, I saw a man's shoulder grow right under my hand in the name of Jesus. I saw a creative miracle. Twice I've seen creative miracles, one by the hand of another minister and once by my hand. I know God can do anything. My faith is high. He can shake this place. Shake, rattle, and roll for Jesus. Amen. Some of you old-timers know that was a song. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So when the presence of the Lord begins to manifest, things begin to happen. Amen. Healing, liberty, and life come forth in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Psalm 102, verse 1 through 7, and then we'll read verse 18 through 20. This is also in the Passion Translation, which I highly recommend. Now, a little background. You know, in the Psalms, many times the psalmist begins by complaining, telling the Lord about all of his problems, everything that's going wrong in his life. But sooner or later, if you keep reading, there's a shift. And the psalmist will shift from complaining about what's going wrong in his life, and he'll start decreeing and proclaiming the answer, which is the promise of God, the goodness of God, the favor of God, the love of God. Amen? Hallelujah. This is the case here with Psalm 102. Listen to verse 1 through 7. Lord, listen to my prayer. Listen to my cry for help. You can't hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Stoop down to hear my prayer and answer me quickly, Lord. For my days of happiness have gone up in smoke. My body is raging with fever. My heart is sick and I'm consumed by this illness, withered like a dead leaf. I can't even eat. I'm nothing but skin and bones. Nothing's left of me but whispered groans. I'm depressed, lonely, forgotten, and abandoned. I'm sleepless, shivering in the cold, forlorn and friendless like a lonely bird on the rooftop. Pretty depressing stuff, amen? 
Hallelujah. But if you keep reading, eventually you get to verse 18 and the psalmist makes that shift. Write all this down for the coming generation so recreated people will read it and praise the Lord. Amen. Who are these recreated people this coming generation? Well, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18 says, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new and all things are of God. If you're born again, you're a recreated being. Amen. And you're now part of a generation which Peter says you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people who should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. That's what you're called to do. That's the generation we belong to. We are priests and kings unto him in this generation. Amen. And the Bible says there's coming a day when the people who read these words about how these people were oppressed and sick and depressed and needed God and God came through and rescued them, he said, there's coming a generation when they read this, they're going to praise the Lord because they know the same thing I did for those people, I'm going to do for them. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Verse 19, tell them how Yah looked down from his high and holy place, gazing from his glory to survey the earth. He listened to all the groaning of his people, longing to be free, and he set loose the sons of death to experience life. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, the word Yah is half of Yahweh. It's the part of Yahweh that emphasizes the power of God. So I look at it like this. Tell them how that God Almighty looked down from His high and holy place, gazing from His glory to survey the earth. He saw all these hurting, oppressed, depressed, and people that needed God, and He poured out His goodness. He poured out His life on them in response to their praise unto Him. Now, remember last week I, I said, it shouldn't be your motive to praise and worship the Lord so that you get something from Him. You know, I'm going to worship the Lord because... I read in the Bible when you do that healing comes. So I'm going to worship him until I'm healed. I don't believe that's the right motive. Worship him because he's worthy. Amen. And then realize the word says it is a supernatural byproduct of worshiping him. That life and liberty and freedom and healing come. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So here we have biblical evidence that when we enter into the presence when we're united as that royal priesthood, that chosen generation in our praise, in our worship, God looks down. And if he sees hurting or oppressed people in our midst, he pours out the answer. And it happens because we're united in our praise and worship to him. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. There is strength in the presence of the Lord. Remember Acts chapter 4, they said, embolden us, strengthen us. So when you praise the Lord, strength comes. You know, there's a scripture here in Psalm chapter 8, verse 2. Again, this is the Passion Translation. Uh, King James says, out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, thou hast ordained strength. The Passion Translation renders it like this. You have built a stronghold by the songs of babies. Strength rises up with the chorus of singing children. This kind of praise has the power to shut Satan's mouth. Childlike worship 
will silence the madness of those who oppose you. Amen. I say that deserves a double amen. 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 So be it. Hallelujah. Psalm 105 verse 4 in the English Standard Version says, Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His presence continually. Amen. When you seek the Lord and His presence, His face turns towards you. He is disposed to show favor on your behalf and strength and life and healing come. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. United praise and worship brings the power and presence of God into manifestation and the manifested presence of the Lord brings strength, healing, restoration, and liberty. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, all of that was review and introduction. Amen. I want to shift, if you will, for just a few minutes and begin a discussion of the progression of worship. This isn't going to take a whole lot of time, but I want you to stay with me. I want to begin by reading Psalm 100, verse 1 through 5. Make a joyful noise. This is the King James. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. Isn't it interesting that the psalmist repeats the same theme that those uh, that were dedicating Solomon's temple sung? The Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endures to all generations. Isn't that cool? Hallelujah. But to really get a feel for what's being described here in this passage, you have to understand the layout of the tabernacle that Moses built in the wilderness and later on the temple that Solomon built. If you have your song sheet with you, there is a diagram of Solomon's temple there that I think it would be helpful for you to follow as we go through this. Amen? There were walls around the temple with gates or entry points on three sides. There was an outer court and an inner court. In the inner court, there was an altar where animals were sacrificed and blood was shed. There was also a giant bronze bowl, they called it the bronze laver, filled with water that the priests could use to ceremoniously cleanse themselves. And in the center of these courts stood the temple, which housed something called the holy place, where there were pieces of furniture that were essentially instruments of worship, the altar of incense, the golden lampstand, and the table of showbread. Don't have time to go into a whole lot of detail here. Just want you to get a kind of an overall feel for this. There was a veil that covered the entry into the holy place. And there was a second veil, Bible calls it the second veil, that covered the entrance to what was called the Holy of Holies. Inside the Holy of Holies was the Ark of the Covenant where the presence of the Lord would dwell. It was such a holy place that only the high priest could enter and then only once a year to offer up a blood sacrifice for the sins of the previous year. They call it in the uh, Hebrew Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. With all this in mind, I believe that Psalm 100 is a model or a type of the progression of worship, and not only Old Testament worship, but also New Testament. Now let's read it again, break it down, and see what we can learn. Psalm 100, verse 1. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. 
The phrase there translated joyful noise actually means to make a racket, to break some things, to make some noise, okay? So it's okay to make some noise in the church. It's okay to stomp your feet and clap your hands, hallelujah. I mean, I heard that the Jamaicans, when they worship the Lord, they got sticks that they bang together. I mean, whatever it takes, you know, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Amen. Uh, you know, and it actually means break some things. And that really spoke to my heart. When you shout to the Lord, when you worship him with reckless abandon, you break things off you that need to be broken off of you. Amen. Sometimes all you need is one shout of glory, and that thing that's been clinging to you for months can be gone in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Depression, oppression, addiction, sickness, and disease are broken and replaced with life, healing, liberty, restoration, and joy. Amen. Hallelujah. So the next time you hear the worship leader say, let's make some noise unto the Lord. Make some noise unto the Lord and don't be worried about what people think. Listen, we got a standalone, almost standalone building here. The total access people are not going to be here Sunday morning. They're not going to be here Wednesday night. There's nobody around here that works on those days. So you don't have to worry about bothering them either. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Make some racket and break some things in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. So you come before his presence. Remember, that's that same word. Same word that's translated presence is also translated his face. Come before his face. Come before his presence with singing. Amen. Hallelujah. You should come into a worship setting with gladness in your heart. You should sing unto the Lord with the objective of coming in to his manifest presence. Amen. I say it again, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Come expecting his presence to manifest. Verse three, know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. That seems kind of out of place to me or it did at first. But, you know, sometimes when you read the scripture, you need to go beyond a superficial surface reading. I asked the Lord, show me what this means. He said, well, you should be aware that you're a created people. That Jesus is our shepherd and we are the sheep. Hallelujah. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice in the voice of a stranger. They will not follow. Amen. So when you get in the manifest presence of the Lord, we can expect to hear the voice of the Lord and receive guidance in the manifest presence of the Lord. Something you've been seeking the Lord about for weeks or months. Just one moment in the presence and the answer can come. It'll just drop in because you weren't thinking about it. You were worshiping the Lord. Hallelujah. And then he says, here you go. Here's a little nugget for you. That thing you've been struggling with, the answer is right there in front of your face. And you go, oh, thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise, be thankful unto him and bless his name. There's so much here, and I'm only going to touch the surface here, but hear me out. When you enter into a gate and you enter into a courtyard, you leave the outside world behind you. So in a worship setting, when you make the decision to be thankful for all that he's done for you, 
you enter his courts with thanksgiving and you leave behind the troubles of the world. Just leave it behind. Listen, people tell me all the time, I just came in so weighed down. I had so many things going on in in my life. And I'm like, welcome to the club. We all bring things in that we don't need to bring in. Listen, when you come into his gates, be thankful that you have a church to go to. Amen. Go into the courtyard and leave that stuff behind. And come with a heart ready to praise and worship the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You make the decision to enter his courts with praise, not because you feel like it, but because he is worthy of your praise. Listen, you know, there are times when I roll out of the bed and, you know, even on Sunday when I'm, I'm supposed to preach, you know, I'm like, Lord, again, you know, I'm just being real with you, you know, and the Lord will remind me, what are you called to do? Yes, sir. I get up, get in the shower. Hallelujah. 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 Listen, Hebrews 13, 5 says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. You know what a sacrifice is, right? It costs you something, you know. You don't want to give it up, you know. So when you come through the gates, you don't want to enter the courts with thanksgiving and praise. You want to hold on to that stuff. Make the sacrifice, and you praise the Lord anyway. Praise the Lord anyway. Put that stuff aside and praise the Lord because he's worthy and for no other reason. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So our progression of worship begins with thanksgiving and transitions to praise. We begin with songs of thanksgiving, which emphasize what the Lord has done for us. There's nothing wrong with that. But these songs sooner or later give way to praise, which begins to shift the focus away from us and unto the Lord. We praise him because he's worthy, not just because of what he's done for us. Verse five, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. Finally, we enter into worship and we shift the focus completely to the father God. We worship him because of who he is and because he's worthy. Amen. We sing of his attributes. The Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endures to all generations. We sing of his character and we sing of his love. We sing of our love for him. Amen. Hallelujah. We sing of his goodness, his mercy, his love, and the truth of his word to all generations. That tells me, that when you are worshiping God, you should be talking about who God is and what he's like. You should also be telling the truth of God's word in your declarations, in the lyrics to your songs. They should be filled with the word of God. Amen. God wants to hear his word come back to him. Amen. There's a place in worship where you're worshiping him, declaring he is worthy, and then you begin to declare to him what his word says. You know what? He doesn't, he doesn't mind. He says, put me in remembrance. I want to hear it. Not for me, for you. I want you to know that I'm faithful to my word. Amen. Hallelujah. So having said all of that that I just said, we see that Psalms 100 is a pretty good model of the progression of worship. 
figuratively, it describes the process of drawing nearer and nearer to the Lord as we enter into his presence. James said, if we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. That's James 4, 8. However, the model falls short of describing New Testament worship in one very important way. It takes us through the gates of thanksgiving and into the courts of praise, hints about worshiping the Father God, but does not, hear me out, but does not take us through the holy place, through the inner veil, and into the most intimate place of all, the holy of holies. Amen? Next week, we'll talk about what those places symbolize, and we'll talk about what it means to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Amen? Amen. We hope you enjoyed part two of Dr. Forrest's message titled, Fundamentals of Worship. If you would like to learn more about Faith Life Fellowship and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, you can visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington. Amen.